Welcome to Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. My name is Josh Lyons. I've been listening to Hardcore and Punk since 1995. I have booked shows, put out a fanzine, run a record label, and now I'm doing a podcast. This is the Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. All right, welcome to episode 20. As always, you can find all the information on the web at EnterpriseHardcorePodcast.com. You'll find all the social media and streaming information there. Uh, speaking of social media, as always, give us a follow on Instagram, Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. Uh, this episode, we have Mark Miller in from Buffalo. Uh, we're going to be talking about photography and a bunch of other hardcore-related stuff on this episode. Um, so I guess, uh, how you doing today, Mark? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty pretty good. Can't complain. Like I was telling you off air, uh, you know, we had a little issue with the uh, dinner with the two-year-old, but uh, it's kind of uh, yeah. kind of part of the territory at this point, you know, so. Yeah. Um, it yeah, exactly. So, but you know, I can't complain otherwise. So all things considered with, you know, the current state of affairs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I guess before we kind of dive into like photography and, and black X and stuff like that, um, let's kind of jump back to the beginning. Um, I know you're not originally from Buffalo, so kind of tell me like your background and your upbringing before you, you moved to Buffalo. I grew up in Flushing, New York, which is in the borough of Queens. I, uh, I grew up there with my parents and my two brothers and all that jazz. Uh, I went to Catholic school as a as a my whole career and uh, from first to twelfth grade and I came up to Buffalo right after high school. You know, I came up here for college, like many New Yorkers do, I guess. So that's how I ended up in Buffalo. So had you been experienced with like hardcore and punk and stuff before you came to Buffalo, or, or did you get more exposure to it there? Um, well, it's, it's kind of a long, not a long story, but I was more into, like, when I was a kid in high school, I was, like, into, like, rap and stuff, and I slowly, like, gravitated towards, it, like, um, like, alternative music and stuff as I was leaving high school and getting into college and stuff, and, uh, my best high school friend, um, this kid named Jimmy Martin, we used to hang out after, like, we hung out after high school for a couple of years. But his brother played bass in a band called Citizens Arrest. And that's how I, that was kind of how I like got intrigued about hardcore because he told me about like stuff his brother did and stuff. And that's kind of like how I kind of found hardcore, I would say, if I found hardcore in any certain way, I guess. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. You have a Citizens Arrest uh, connection there too, I guess, you know? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, do you, do you still listen to rap music a lot, or was that more like when you were growing up? I stopped listening to rap music in like 1990. So. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> Anything past 90, I don't listen to. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah, it's definitely not how it was back then. But I still listen to some current artists just because you know some people yeah. kind of keep it going. Um, cool, cool, cool. But um, so yeah, so then I guess you you got you you went to Buffalo for school. Now, had you been into photography before, like the whole hardcore thing, or is that kind of what opened the door for you with photography? No, I got into photography like, like uh, a couple of years after I got into hardcore. I, I think I was looking for a way to kind of like participate more, or uh, just something because I was like, I, what can I do? And I picked up the camera, started shooting pictures of shows, and that's pretty much how I got into photography. Like the hardcore came first, and the photography, and then other photography stuff came after that. So that's kind of how I did it. Now, like when you were first. Uh, like shooting like photos at shows and stuff like that were there any you know like experiences that kind of like learning experiences or anything that kind of made you want to give up when you first started doing it or anything like that no I mean I when I first started shooting pictures at shows I used a disposable camera so I would go buy those disposable cameras take them to the you know one hour photo and get them processed and stuff but when I took when I first got a real camera like a camera with lenses and stuff I went to an Earth Crisis show in at the Showplace Theater, and I didn't know what I was doing, and none of those pictures came out, but I didn't give up. I just kept trying to learn and stuff, so I eventually figured out, like, real photography, I guess, if you want to call it real photography. Eventually, it was it, it came it came to me. Yeah, because, like, I always, I had a fanzine, I think, I'm sure you probably remember, I did, like, a fanzine, The Right Path, like, 20, yeah, I have a couple issues. Yeah, so I took a lot of photos in there, but after a while, I was like, man, I'm not as good as some of you guys with, like, the lenses and... I was using like the point and shoot like you're talking about and you know I just never really learned like like the art of photography you know what I mean yeah 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 
but there's definitely a lot of a lot of people in hardcore that have been pretty well known in photography. Or were there were some of those people like influential on you, or, or was it kind of more just like finding your own like niche or whatever? Um, I kind of found my own niche. Like I I had friends who kind of taught me some stuff. I always liked like the stuff that like um I liked the stuff that Dave Mandel did, and uh, but my my biggest hardcore part of influence is Greg Straight Edge. He's this dude from North Carolina who who uh he pretty much I met him and we like nerded out in photography and he showed me a lot of stuff with photography. Got me my first camera and stuff and he's probably my biggest like hardcore photography influence if there is one. So he was he's the guy. So that's pretty cool. Um so now before I did my fan thing, you were doing one called Hello My Name Is and obviously you've you've done a podcast with that too. Um yeah. Is the podcast still active, or is that just something you kind of do like as a hobby from time to time now? It's 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 a hobby. Like I think, when did you start your podcast? Uh, well, that's what I was looking up your episodes tonight, right around the time you you did your last one. So, yeah, um, like, like May I, May first, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I do I have done it for the last four years, but like I have like no time and stuff, so I do it as I can. I I still I, it's still active. I'm still trying to do more interviews and stuff, but um, I do it when I can, pretty much. So. Like I've recorded stuff and like I've gotten like a backlog of like episodes and stuff and I put them all at once and stuff. But time is not on my side as far as that type of thing. So yeah, and for those that are unfamiliar, you you've interviewed some of the same people as me. I think you have more of a Buffalo lean than I do. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to, to to use both cities, I guess, because like Rochester has a lot of influential and cool people over the years. But I felt like if I did both, it would give me more of a, a catalog, I guess, of, of people to interview. Um, but I'm running into the same issues as you, obviously. I mean, you and I both had to reschedule this interview yes. once, I think. Um, yeah. Between having the kid and working full-time and just trying to enjoy some of this weird summer that we've had. Um, yeah. And then, as you're obviously well aware, this is definitely a passion project. It's not like we're sitting here getting rich um, yeah. doing hardcore podcasts, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like sometimes it's hard for me to get the motivation to do this. Um, <laughs> but there's so many people to interview, you know, after after – I think I'm sure it's probably happened with you too. Like I got to a certain point. Um, I want to say like episode eh, maybe like 10 or 12 where I was like, I really started kind of hit my mark and I was like, man, now there's all these extra people that I never would have thought about interviewing that I want to interview. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and, and you're starting another podcast. I saw you post something about that on, on Instagram recently, right? Yeah. Me and my friend, Chris, who has been a guest of my podcast a couple times we're doing a podcast where we focus on certain releases from bands. Like we've done, we interviewed Daryl Taberski from Snapcase about, about Looking Glass itself, the album. And we interviewed Jay Galvin from Slugfest about their de the 92 demo and the seven inch. So, so we're trying to do stuff like that, make it a little bit more like, I guess a little ner more nerdy than a, than regular podcast so. I, I think people who who uh listen to this podcast will appreciate that because i think we have a lot of you know i, I don't want to say it's, it's all nerds listening to this but there's, there's a lot of nostalgic people listening to this too but you already mentioned your first two people there are i'm, I'm interviewing jay galvin soon and nice. then i want to interview daryl too but i feel like that's one like i feel like i don't want to say it's easier for doing what you're doing but you just focusing on one release there's not as much to, to put together you know what i mean whereas when i want to interview him and it's going to be like I really want to make sure I have all the right questions and all that. Cause you know, obviously you lived in Buffalo during the time. I mean, Snapcase was a pretty influential band, not just for this area, but in general, like they were, they, the sounds they created were very original back then for hardcore, you know, Absolutely. and they were one of the bands that actually introduced me to, to the whole thing. So it'd be, it'd be kind of cool just to go back and, you know, talk to those guys about all that. Um, yeah. And then with, with photography, as I mentioned to you and Ruben separately, I definitely want to get you guys on again in the future to promote this a little bit more, but um, you and Ruben are working on a book with your photography, right? Yes, we are. We're doing a book. Uh, basically, it's going to be a history of my photography in Buffalo and Buffalo Hardcore Show probably the last 25 years. Um, we're going to have pictures, some some short interviews, some short write-ups and stuff, and we, we're hoping it'll come out one of these years probably either later this year or next year we're hoping i think we're moving pretty quickly now so hopefully we'll uh, we'll get that going and I, I think it's gonna be pretty cool like i never thought of my work being like you know 
featured in something like that or anything, but Ruben believes in my work and stuff. And I think it'll be pretty cool. I think people will enjoy it. I think it'll be, a, I think, I think it'll be good for the old people, for the new people, for, you know, anyone, anyone who's into Buffalo hardcore, hardcore in general, I think will enjoy it, I think. So is it going to focus on any specific era or is it basically just going to be straight from like, like early mid nineties up until now? Like, I think it'll be the mid, mainly the mid nineties, uh, because that's when I was, you know, most prolific in photography. But I've been taking pictures the whole time. I've been taking pictures from, you know, 1994 to now. Um, but mainly, like, 94 to probably, like, 2000, 2002. So. But I've got stuff from all, you know, I've got stuff, you know, from the last 26 years. So there'll be a bunch of stuff in there. Yeah, and that's, and that's, that's definitely cool. Um uh, I mean, there's also a Rochester Hardcore book coming out, hopefully around the same time. So it's kind of cool that we're gonna have, you know, two cool books from this area. Now, are you gonna, are you gonna have mainly Buffalo bands in there? Because obviously you've taken a lot of touring band photos too over the years. No, we'll have we'll have other bands in there. I mean, it's it's about Buffalo shows, but it's also about my photography. So I'm guessing I'm well. I know we'll have we'll have more stuff in there. Probably stuff that I pick and choose. I mean, we we already kind of played together, but there'll be there'll be other stuff in there too. Because I've been a a lot of places for shows and stuff so just you know good stuff that i like we'll, we'll put all in there and you were talking about like doing more like professional photography in the beginning of the interview and i feel like i've seen you post stuff on instagram about like wedding photography and stuff so is photography like your full-time gig or is that just something you kind of do on the side it's something i do on the side i i actually run a camera store here in buffalo but uh i do during the summers i do a lot of wedding shooting and stuff so I guess I do do it professionally, but not as a full-time job. It's kind of extra income for me. But I've been doing that for the last uh, 15 or so years, so I've been doing that a lot. So, have you taken busy? So, have you taken many wedding photos this summer so far, or? I've had one wedding this summer, and uh, and uh, it was it it kind of was a bad experience because the way they, the way it is in New York State, you're supposed to have less than 50 people at a wedding. There was 150 people at the wedding there was wow. half people wearing masks and stuff and it was kind of it kind of sucked but i made it through it <laughs> i don't think i'm sick so i think i'll be okay yeah that's my buddy was supposed to get married this summer and that obviously got pushed back and i was talking to i don't i don't you know all these conversations kind of blurred i don't know if it was somebody at work or a friend but we were talking about weddings and that and that was something i was thinking about i was like man i wonder like if i was getting married i wouldn't want to wear a mask or anything like that you know what i mean it'd be it'd be hard to adhere to the policies when situations like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's, it's definitely, I mean, we'll, and we'll get into the COVID a little bit, I guess, but it's definitely the mask thing. It's, it's tough cause it's so hot out, but I mean, you know, we all have family members and friends that are susceptible to this. So we, you know, we kind of just got to ride the wave a little bit longer, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess kind of shifting gears just a little bit here. Um, I never really knew of you as like a vocalist or anything, but you ended up doing the band Black X. Now, was that just more of like, uh, like kind of friends getting together and just doing a band, or was it something you had always wanted to do? No, it was kind of a friend thing. Like uh, some friends of mine, they were in a band called The Grail, and they recorded these like more like that song was that that band was kind of like a Danzig worship band, but they recorded these like four songs, you know, after practice one night, and they were like, "You should sing for this band," and we put it together and we started Black X and if we had the songs had been recorded like a few years before I actually we actually did the band but we eventually did the band and we were doing it but it broke up a couple of years ago so but it was fun it was fun it wasn't something I always wanted to do but I'm glad I got to do it with my friends so that that, that was cool we're going to take a short break to listen to the last four songs that Black X recorded the songs are titled No Point Evidence P.E. and Necessary Evil.
and obviously Black X was a straight edge band. Um, I've interviewed a couple people for this podcast that are like a little older, like us, that that are still straight edge. Now, is that something that is like important to you, or is it more just kind of like something you've been doing for a long time now, and it's kind of like, you know what I mean? Like me being vegan, it's not really something I think about all the time, but like it's still important to me. You know what I mean? It's definitely important to me. Um, I think in the back of my head, I always have that, you know, that strange like kind of like superiority thing. I think I think in my head, but I mean, I I don't think I'm better than anyone, but it's something that's important to me. Like when I was growing up, you know. I saw a lot of people around me who were, who were, you know, like doing stupid stuff, you know, drinking and stuff. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And why would that change, you know, under any circumstances for me? I know for some people change and they decide that shit's okay for them. But for me, it's always going to be important and, you know, how I'm going to live my life the whole time. So I don't see myself changing anytime soon. I won't change anytime soon. So it's all good. It's all good. I feel like it is important to me. It is important to me. So I feel like once you make it past like thirty or thirty-five, if you're still straight edge, like there's maybe like a one percent that's gonna break edge when they get older. But for the most part, you know, I've seen a few. So yeah, (laughs) I've seen a few. That's got to be a little weird though to know somebody who's been straight edge for like twenty years and all of a sudden they're just like, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. um, I mean, I get it, but whatever. I mean, it's not that's that that stuff's definitely not for me, and it's all about me, I guess, and it's part of that. So. Yeah, I mean, I was straight edge as a teenager, and as, I'm not going to dive too deep into it now because I've talked about it at, at length in this podcast before, but I definitely have had my issues with substance abuse as an adult, and, you know, I never, I never like, regret any decisions I've made or, like, you know, you can't change the past and cliches like that, but there's definitely times where I'm like, man, I wish, I kind of wish I would have stayed the course with the whole straight edge thing, you know, because I think things might have been a little bit different. I mean, granted... I might not have met my girlfriend because we did meet at a bar, you know, but it's one of those things where, you know, you can't change the past, so. Yeah. You never regret life. I, I, I never have, no matter what bad decisions became and stuff. I'm glad I'm where I am now, especially with kids. Like, like you know, like, I got divorced and stuff and all sorts of stuff, but because I have my kids, everything is kind of worth it, you know, so I'm glad that path led to them. They're like the one thing that is very important to me, so. Yeah, kids are one of those things where I, you know, this whole time when I was like, especially in my 20s, I was like, fuck it, man. I never want to have kids. Like, they're so loud and obnoxious. And I would work in restaurants and they'd be coming in screaming. And then there was one summer where my girlfriend thought she was pregnant. And ever since then, I was like, we got to have some kids. You know, it's like you you realize at one point you're like, who's going to carry on this legacy or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, it's somebody, you know, and it's just so much fun watching them grow. Like, I mean, it's obviously been a little weird now with everything going on uh in the world right now which we'll get to in a second but um it's just you know watching watching him grow and watching him like just find different things and and introducing him to different things um you know it's i can't i can't change that at all and it's it's perfect you know it's definitely rewarding it's like the best like it's the best toughest job ever i think so mm-hmm. yeah that was that was definitely the best i mean this this podcast was what came of the of the covid too but um yeah. with the quarantine like the being able to be with my son for close to three months was definitely the best part of it you yeah, know definitely. Yeah. um so i guess with that in mind um let's kind of talk about current events for a second um obviously you know covid's been a pretty big thing this year um i think we're probably both of the mindset that our our current establishment may not have handled it as well as they could have in the beginning and we yes. might not be in the same position we are now um i know there's a lot of people that believe like a lot of weird like conspiracies and stuff like that i'm not you know i'm not going to judge if if you're one of those or whatever but um (laughs) what are your thoughts on everything that's that's transpired this year though i guess i mean it's unfortunate that this stuff happened but i you know i think people got to make the most out of it i think people shouldn't complain about it you know i feel i feel like people should come together and try to figure this shit out rather than trying to fight each other which is tough, you know, all these people don't want to wear masks and stuff, like, it's, like, it's a big deal, like, if that's all I had to do to make something better, that would be, that's the easiest job in the freaking world. Um, it's kind of been cool, because, like, at my work, like, we, we used to do classes and stuff at the camera shop, and we figured out ways to do things virtually, and we, that's how we used our time, you know, we, we adapted rather than, like, being like, oh, this sucks, I can't go to work, you know, this and that, I mean, not every industry can do that, but, 
I feel like people like got a little bit lazy and didn't like you know figure out ways to like make the most of what the situation is like every day we have to we have rules that we follow and stuff and we make the most out of those things and you know if something if a barrier comes up you kind of try to go around it or go over it and i'm not sure why people just were like god oh, this sucks i don't want this to be the way it is and instead of just figuring out a way to deal with it which i think hardcore kids do not to their own horn <laughs> You know, that's actually, I was going to bring that up because that is a question I have for you for later about like things you've taken from hardcore. So obviously, like, you, you know, me from like having book shows, but just being a hardcore kid in general, you definitely learn to adapt and overcome a lot of adversity pretty easily. So do you think that that kind of mindset has had a lot to do with, with you being able to adapt and everything with, with all this so easily or? Definitely. I mean, I don't know how easy it's been, but it's, I mean, I've moved during the, during the pandemic. I've, you know, we've figured out ways to do stuff at work, you know figured out things to do with the kids like change you know you know getting them more acclimated even though they're homeschooled already so it wasn't that big of a shift for them but you know they spent a lot more time around us and stuff so it's it's you know we we just found ways to do it we found ways to adapt like i'm I'm sure you've probably done a show which has gotten like the venue like shut down or something you had to move it or something and you figure it out you're not like oh man we can't have this show you figure out another way to, to do the show you know and i think that's what hardcore kids do you know we figure out ways to do things and you know by hook or crook i guess <laughs> so we do it so yeah no that's 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 that makes a lot of sense um and then i guess aside from having you know the idiot uh in washington uh, i guess the other really big thing that's happened this year um yeah. was the resurgence of black lives matter um yeah. most people i've talked to on, on this podcast kind of agree that it was a needed thing um mm-hmm. Obviously, I think you're in more of a, a more of a unique situation than the other people I've talked to, though. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on everything that's happened this year? Well, I mean, I I think it's good that people are becoming more aware. I know the more people are becoming more aware, the more like people who are against, you know, things like Black Lives Matter are trying to shout it down as well, which kind of sucks. But I mean, it's it's cool that I think people are generally getting more aware and stuff. And I uh, there's a guy around where I live who has a, had a Confederate flag up of his house and he's since taken it down which i think is cool i don't know why he did he did it i don't know the guy but it's come down which i think is neat um i think i also think uh like with the police and stuff i think i don't like you know it's black lives matter and stuff but i think people like i think i don't understand why people if like a black guy gets killed people don't aren't like well that's a citizen who got killed and maybe that could happen to me and they don't they don't think in that way they think like no, it's just, you know, that person who's not like me, you know, when they, sh- you know, when they should be thinking about that citizen who's, you know, I mean, they don't think of people in that way, I guess, but they should be thinking about that citizen who's, you know, been, has had an injustice, you know, laid upon them, and they just don't think in that way, you know, which I, which I think kind of sucks, like, you know, you don't want that to happen to you, but you just think it's a black guy, and you're like, oh, well, you know, you know, with, you know, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that, but you know what I mean? It's like people need to, you know, see people as, you know, citizens and look out for them, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, a lot of stuff with social media and, and like, just internet in general, it, some of it's kind of fucked up, but at the same time, a lot of it's been kind of eye-opening, especially, like, in the last, like, four or five years because there's just so many, not just hardcore kids, I'm sure we both have friends outside of our, our circle where it's like you wouldn't expect some of these people to have these fucked up beliefs as they do and then you see it and you're just like man i've known this dude for this many years and if it wasn't for this facebook poster i never would have known about this you know what i mean it's like i definitely unfollowed a bunch of people on facebook over this time yeah no i got rid of facebook like seven or eight years ago and then i kind of set up like a small one just to so i could have a podcast page and yeah. even even now like i go on there just to quickly click over to enterprise hardcore one and I'll just see stuff that a couple of people that I'm friends with have posted. And I'm like, man, I should unfollow you. But I, then you'll, you'll see that I did it or whatever, you know, and it's like, I don't use this account. You know, I definitely unfollowed at least five or 10 people on Instagram for that reason, though, because it's like, I feel like Instagram is just for picture sharing. And you got people sharing these like weird, like right wing memes and like conspiracy stuff. And I'm like, shouldn't that shit stay on Facebook or like. You know, yeah, like, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, it's like people like don't—they're not political at all. But then all of a sudden, because of this, they become political. 
or they showed a political side, and you're like, where did this come from, and why are you showing this now? Like, it just, it just seems very weird. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, like like my girlfriend's family and a lot of families I know, it's, it's like they become more divided now with everything that's happened the last yeah. few years, and... I mean, I know a lot of these people that, that are loud and proud or whatever are just trying to get attention by some of the shit that they say, and, you know, trolling's a good word for them, too, I guess, but it's just, it's kind of sad, because, like, you have, like, family members that you've been, like, friends with and, like, gone camping with and shit, and now it's, like, after Trump got elected, you see, like, how they really yeah. are, you know, and it's, like, and then what's weird to me is some of the same people that voted for Bernie the first time, or were supported Bernie the first time, ended up yeah. voting for Trump and I'm like how could you go from that to that it's just so weird you know um and I guess that's another t- topic too is it's our how much different is it going to be if we do get Biden in office this year you know what I mean like you know it won't be as stupid I guess which <laughs> is important <laughs> yeah no that's true I, I I have not voted Democrat for like the bigger stuff yet but I definitely plan to this year I mean I'm not I'm not, I don't vote Republican. I usually vote like third party type shit. But this year, I kind of feel like voting for a third party might not be the best idea. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much what I had for current events. Um, so I guess kind of getting back into like uh, photography and like playing shows and just going to shows. Um, like, what are some of the craziest things that you've seen? And I guess some of the craziest like things you've had to encounter while either at shows or photography or just taking pictures too. You know what I mean? Uh, the weirdest. I guess the craziest show thing would probably be the Cleveland riot of 1996. I don't know if you, were you, were you going to shows then? I was not, but I'm definitely familiar with, with what you're referencing. I've seen the videos on YouTube, obviously too. Yeah, I was there. I actually know that I know the kid who kind of started it. He, I know the kid who kind of flipped off one life crew and I knew he was doing it and stuff. And I saw him get chased out of that venue and all the chaos that happened and stuff. Um, that's probably the craziest thing I've ever seen at the show. Like easily that, that that I've been at, so that was pretty nutty. So I mean, it was crazy too that even though that riot, well, quote unquote riot happened, this, the show still went on the next day. Like they, it was a three day fest, and the next day happened. Which I feel like if that happened today, it, the whole thing would be canceled and it, it would be over. But it's kind of cool that it still happened. So um, that was the coolest or the craziest hardcore show thing I've ever seen happen. And then I got. I guess for those that are unfamiliar, you're referring to, was it Cleveland Fest or more than Music Fest? It was like '96, you said, right? It was Cleveland. It was at Cleveland. It was in Cleveland itself. And that was that was One Life Crew. And now were they were they, if I'm not mistaken, again I got into hardcore like right around that time or maybe a year later. They weren't supposed to play, right? And they took like part of Integrity set or something like that. that Integrity night? gave them part of their set, and they played, and uh, they played like their song Pure Disgust. And the guy, a friend of mine, was flipping them off, and they just, they just went right after him. They just, like, yeah. stayed, like, chased them, like, out of the venue. I'm not sure if they caught him or, or not, but... I don't know. But it's... He definitely got cornered in the bathroom or something, and they had to climb out of a bathroom window or something. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that video a couple of times. And it's, I mean, it's fucked up that that kind of shit would happen back then. And, you know, when I first got into hardcore around that time you still had some of the crazier elements from, like, the late 80s, early 90s, which I'm sure you saw, too. Like, you would have... I saw at least, I'm sure you probably saw more, at least two or three skinhead fights in this area. Yeah. Um, there was I don't know if you ever went to any of the warp Tours, but there was, like, that second... Oh, it was the second warp Tour I went to. I think it was the third warp Tour, where, like, 10 or 15 uh, Syracuse Sluggers and Andy yeah. Williams and a bunch of Buffalo dudes just beat the shit out of those Nazis or whatever. I remember. You know, and, and there was just a lot of crazy shit going on back then. Yeah. I, I It's crazy to think about, like, how crazy the world is now, like... I still don't really think that kind of stuff would be accepted in hardcore, but you never really know at the same time, I guess, you know? Yeah, there's some there's some older hardcore dudes who have some weird stuff to say, too, so <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy. Speaking of crazy stuff that shows, did you go to that uh, Integrity show in Rochester that yeah. happened months ago? Yeah. With all the, all the Nazis and stuff? That was kind of crazy, too. Yeah, that was, like, my first real... I had been into hardcore. I had been going to hardcore shows on and off for like a year and a half to two years, yeah. um, and I was straight edge at the time. I had I had a uh, either some kind of drug free patch on my backpack, and one of those Nazis came up to me and he was like, "Hey, you got any beer in that bag?" And I was just like, "Fuck you," you know. Like if I was the age I, w- I am now, and like I didn't have a kid, things might have ended differently. But I'm like a 16 year old kid or just about to turn yeah. 16, 
and I'm like, yo, the shit's about to get crazy in here. Like, I, you could tell, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it, you know, we didn't stay for all of Integrity's set either. And I've always kind of looked at them a little bit differently since then because it seemed like they were kind of, I don't want to say on the side of the Nazis, but it seemed like they were kind of trying to downplay everything that was happening. And it was like, it seemed kind of weird to me as a teenager at the time, you know what I mean? Yeah, like a, there's a, that band, well, Pantera, everyone knows who Pantera is, but I remember there was an interview with like Phil Anselmo and he was like, he, he basically said that a lot of their fans are like, you know, Nazis or whatever. And he's like, I can't do anything about them, so who cares? And like, I've hated that dude ever since he said that. And I feel like that's like a similar thing that they, that like they kind of did. They were just like, well, I can't do anything about it, where there's like hardcore kids who were like anti that stuff and they were like, they wouldn't stand for it. They would like, walk the hell out of there if like you know there was nazis at their show or be like fuck you guys get out of here but you know integrity was like yeah there are fans let's uh, play a show <laughs> i mean i guess to play devil's advocate though it it, got, it has to be kind of tough to be a band like that and especially more of bands like agnostic front and sick yeah. of it all where it's like you're like af af dudes are probably what like in their 50s or 60s now and it's like yeah. do they really want to have that confrontation where they no. you know because they played here in 2012 and that was like my last kind of little bit of like social media drama because like they let nazis into that show and then they yeah. kicked they kicked this dude out of the show or they didn't kick him out but they told him because he went to his car and he changed there's a borrowed time shirt that says like fuck nazi scum or some shit like that you know what i mean yeah. and he went out to his car and, and put that on and tried to go back in the show wearing that and one of the dudes was like you probably shouldn't wear that in here you know which i was kind of pissed about it at the time i mean obviously now i i can kind of understand it more that he was kind of trying to save that kid from getting, yeah. you know, something probably bad could have happened to him, you know? I mean, the kid was obviously of the mindset that he wanted to fight them, you know what I mean? But it's like, sometimes you got to kind of take the high road and, you know, I mean, obviously we don't agree with their beliefs, but, you know, I, I, I don't agree with what Phil Anselmo said, obviously, either at the same time, because that's their, it's his platform to be like, you know, we're not down with this shit or whatever, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know. Some people take stands and some people don't, I guess. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. I mean, I guess in the era in the era we're living in now, like, you can't, like, it's it's almost kind of like doing yourself a disservice to be quiet about stuff now. Like, it almost seems like, like, even if you, no matter what your beliefs are, it seems like you have to kind of speak up about them now. Like, it doesn't seem like we're in an era where people are being quiet about what they believe in anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, But were there any more, like, I guess you, you mentioned, like, crazy, like, fight-type shit, but is there any, like, funny or, like, just, like, out-there-type stuff that has happened with you, like, uh, photographing bands and stuff like that? Uh, not particularly that's kind of weird or anything. Um, oh, yeah. Um, actually, here's one thing. Propagandi, I went and saw them in Ontario. They played the art space or something. And uh, I'm sure one of these pictures will be in the book. But the singer, the singer guitar player, like, played naked, basically. He was stripping as the show was going on, and he played naked. So I got a nice picture of him playing naked, which is pretty <laughs> cool, I guess, or pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. The only other band I can think of that would do the whole nudity thing back then was, like, Dillinger 4. I don't know if you yeah, ever yeah, yeah, yeah. saw those guys live. But I guess that brings up a good point, too. Um, what have been some of your favorite bands to shoot over the years? Uh, to shoot over the years, bands. I guess any Vogel bands, you know, Scott's always a good time, you know. Um, let's see. Snapcase was always cool, too, because, you know, Snapcase always kind of played cool places. Um, uh, what else did I like to shoot? Uh, I don't know. Anybody who has good sing-alongs and stuff, like, it was always it was always kind of tough for me to get good sing along pictures, but um, uh, because you know, I always was up front inside the pit when it, you know people were singing along. It was always hard to get pictures. I wasn't up on stage. Like, it seems like a lot of photographers now are on stage and on the side of the stage taking pictures. When I, you know, when I take pictures of shows, I'm on the floor taking pictures of shows. So that's why my perspective might be a little bit different. But um, um, anytime Ray Capo plays a show, I like to go. I shot you know better than a thousand Youth of Today and Shelter. He's always a good time. Um, I don't know. Those, those were always good people to shoot. You know, um, yeah. Those were those were those are good bands to shoot or good figures to shoot. Oh, Walter Schreifels. 
he's always you know great to shoot. I've shot him in various bands, so that's cool too. So yeah, Wally's cool too. So yeah, I mean those are bands I like to shoot. But anybody who has a lot of energy, though, that's you know that's the most important part. You know, bands that like you know jump and stuff like that and kind of get into it, and that's always the best to do. And I guess that's kind of what my next question was going to be. What you talking about, Scott, made me think of it actually. Are there ever any bands or people that have like too much energy and it's hard for you to like, like shoot photographs of them or anything like that? And you don't have to name any specific examples either. You know, but you know what I mean. Like, is it ever like tough? Because, you know, well, the shows are too crazy. It gets tough to shoot. You know, but um, it's no. I, I mean, I don't think that's ever really happened. I've always figured out a way to to uh, to get stuff done. So it's never been too crazy. And that's the more the better. You know, the more energy the better. I think so. That's what it's all about. So yeah. And I guess, I guess speaking of the more the better, you were talking about like more people taking photographs on stage. Have you noticed like more photographers since you got into it? And does that make it like tougher on you to shoot shows when there's more people like shooting photographs and stuff like that? Not really. I think it's weird that there's so many photographers now, but it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, I guess the more the merrier. It's cool to see other people's perspectives on shows and like. I always shot from the floor anyway, so I, I didn't like I didn't like lose a space in the side of the stage or anything to like get get pictures. So it's it's cool. The more the merrier, you know. Um, that dude in Rochester, Spencer Chamberlain's pretty cool. So you know he's been doing some crazy stuff. So yeah, it made the more the merrier. So it's it's all good. And now with you shooting from the floor, is that more just like a personal thing, like where you'd rather be in the crowd and it kind of gives it more of like a natural feel or? Yeah, I mean, if I, you know, it's cool to shoot from the stage, but like, yeah, I mean, that's how you experience hardcore from the floor. So that's why I, I like to shoot from there, you know. I've never got anything broken or anything. I've always protected my stuff, you know, but and that's that's how I think you should experience hardcore. But some people think it's from a stage, so that's that's, that's on them, I guess. <laughs> Man, that's, I, you know, it's, it's, that's just my, my, uh, my uh, preference. I always like the stages for the stage diving aspect, but I guess that could kind of be a uh, kind of a hassle for you as a photographer on the floor at times. So, yeah, I always I get out of the way. You know, I've had like one thing broken ever at a show, so it's 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 all good. It's all good. That's that's definitely not uh not bad at all to have that only one piece of uh equipment broken in in twenty five plus years of uh, yeah. photography. You know, um, yeah. so we were kind of talking about this before uh, with the you know dealing with like adversity and stuff like that um but what else have you taken from hardcore that you use in your everyday life um what have i taken from hardcore that i use in everyday life um i think the diy spirit like you know if i have to do something i, I figure out how to do it you know and that's what that's what you know hardcore is like you know i don't have to wait on you know someone to do something if i gotta you know, if i gotta fix something around my house i figure out a way to do that if I gotta figure out a way to to uh to you know do anything like from like you know photography you know if I gotta figure out if I want to do something I, I figure out how to do it I don't like wait for someone to show me how to do it a lot of times at work you know I have to you know figure out creative ways to get because we do photo finishing and stuff and there's ways to you know getting people pictures edited and stuff there's always there's a million different ways to do that and so I'm always trying to like figure out ways to you know, you know, not having to like read a book and figure out how to do something, you know, just kind of like, you know, figuring it out myself. And I think that's what I've kind of taken from hardcore. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that's it as far as what I've taken from hardcore. But I mean, I think it's, it's synonymous, like, you know, your life in hardcore. So it's where does one begin and one end as far as what you've learned and what you've taken. Like, because you take parts of your regular life and you bring that into hardcore. So as well as you take stuff from hardcore and put that in your regular life. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if I ever really thought about it like like that before, like how what you just said at the end there, but that definitely makes makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think the DIY aspect is something that comes up, maybe not like specifically saying DIY, but I feel like that's something that I've talked to a lot of people on here about that that's very important to us all that that we we've learned from this from this movement. Well, I guess. Thing I've learned from Arcor too is you know well I I don't know if I if it was came before Arcor, but questioning everything and trying to figure out things. You know, even like when I see any stories on like on TV or on Facebook, or whatever, I'm always checking, you know, checking back and seeing, not just taking stuff at face value and figuring it out. You know, that's very important. You know, 
people like you know people used to do speeches at shows about you know questioning everything and stuff like that and like i've definitely taken that into my regular life and stuff and you know and i mean one thing hardcore like as a fault i guess in my regular life it's like i've i have not wanted to do like a lot of like normal things in life and like you know you know like i'm like who cares if i miss this family party for like a hardcore show or something or you know i feel like you know something hardcore more important or i did i mean i still do like if the thing is big enough i would miss you know this great you know regular family thing for hardcore you know as long as it wasn't my kids or anything but you know there's it's important it was always important to me like doing stuff you know because you know i guess like i always felt that hardcore like you do stuff in a show and like no one else does the stuff that we did and stuff and we do and like you know it was important to have those experiences where you know there's always another party or always another like you know another class and you know, i miss school or some stuff for hardcore and stuff and there was always nothing to replace what you know going like driving you know all night to go see youth today and you know in the 90s or whatever that more important than like you know going to work or or missing some you know nonsensical or irrelevant party or you know or get together or something that was always more important to me i guess and it kind of still is in a way one thing that's that's kind of interesting to me it's not exactly related to what you're talking about really but like my girlfriend and other people who aren't really as into this uh hardcore culture they'll like ask me about like a certain song or, or whatever from like the the late 90s early 2000s like a, like a mainstream song and they'll like yeah. sing the jingle for me and they'll be like yeah it's this band or that band i'm like i i've never i have no idea who you're talking about you know because what is that? exactly because like we were so insulated with hardcore i mean for me it was like at least i would say like 95 to 2005 like i paid no attention at all like we were talking about in the beginning with like rap music i, I still listen to some rap so like i would pay attention to like jay-z and like a couple like popular rappers but even that for the most part like i mostly listen to like underground stuff so i don't really I haven't. I, I pay more attention to mainstream culture now, just because like it's everywhere and it's like on our phone and stuff. And like I work in retail, so I hear all the popular songs. But even then, like my, I'll hear, I'll find out who the artist is. I'm like, oh, that's, that's what, that's Imagine Dragons or whatever they are. You know what I mean? I'm like, I didn't even realize that's who that was. You know, like I know, I knew the song. You know what I mean? But I didn't care to like look into who the artist was. So it's just interesting that we kind of like built our own like community basically, and we didn't really have to worry about like what the mainstream society thought or, or or even cared about you know what i mean yeah i forgot about everything once they got into hardcore i think i mean i heard all their stuff and like you know like but nothing new once i got into hardcore for a while like i like wasn't like you know if an artist if i listened to an artist before i got into hardcore i kind of stayed with them but if like something new came out I'm like like who cared like hardcore is just like it, it's it's not that you know it was so much better and you know not the same thing like a hardcore show is different than any other show like I've never understood why people go to like arena shows when there's hardcore shows. Like it doesn't make it just never made any sense to me. You know, and people, you know, people swear by you know these big shows and stuff, but I I just don't understand it at all. Like once I got went to a hardcore show and saw how that was, nothing could be better in my mind, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I've I've gone to a couple arena shows as an adult just to kind of like bucket list stuff that my girlfriend and I were into from like the '90s and stuff. And that's actually probably the last time that I really paid much attention to, like, mainstream culture was, like, like you were saying before, with, like, the early to mid-90s. And, and again, I know we're going to kind of come off as, like, the get-off-my-lawn, like, we're a little older now, and, like, our, our era was better than yours or whatever, but I really do feel like, especially for mainstream music, the, the early to mid-90s was the last really good era. You know, all the yeah. grunge, the Beastie Boys, there was just so many popular artists that were doing, like, kind of creating their own lane, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, now, I guess it's different now with social media, too, because everything is, like, you you know, you you, re- you literally have 15 minutes of fame at this point, I feel like, you know, and then, like, somebody else is, is cool or whatever, you know? Yeah, you can you can make a star in, like, no time, you know, now. But that star is gone, like, as fast as they came, you know? The, you know, they were a star, cause they influenced something, and they were around, and then, like, like, just like that, they're gone. Like, who's that, you know? And that's... And that's weird to me, too. When I first saw that term or word influencer, I was like, what the fuck? What does that even mean, you know? And then it's like you kind of look into it more and you're like, that's really how our society has come, where it's people literally just, like, promote yeah. stuff on Instagram and they're considered influence, influential or whatever? Like, that's that's insane, you know? Yeah, it's kind of, it is kind of crazy. Like, you know, like these, 
like all these stories you see on like on Facebook, like influencer said this, influencer said that. Like I have no idea who these people are, so why do they matter? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like Mike Tyson's fighting that fight in a couple months. I don't know if you saw or not. Um, and and they're talking about the undercard, and Nate Robinson, who who played for like the Knicks and a bunch of other teams, he's fighting like some YouTube dude. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like what? Like what are we live? What era are we living in now? Where like these are the people who are like, people care to see them. You know what I mean? Like it's insane. Yeah. Speaking of that, like I watched that show, The Masked Singer. Yeah. And the. Uh... The, fir- the last season, like, the first guy who got kicked off was a guy who, like, played video games or something on YouTube. I'm like, why is this guy on this TV show? <laughs> yeah, I, my girlfriend watches that show, and I, I said the exact same thing to her. And, and I, I, like you said, your kids are a little bit older, but you might, have, you might have experience with this, too. It's weird to me now because, like, my son's only two, but he knows how to operate YouTube better than I do, you know? And I, I work at Macy's. And I was, I was working, I don't know what I was doing a couple weeks ago, but there was like a little kid on the floor and she had the phone in her hand. And all of a sudden I heard toys unlimited. And I was just like, holy shit, that's the YouTube shit that my son always watches. Like all these kids watch like, and all these people who create these YouTube content, they're making like millions of dollars. Like, no, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like, that's one thing that I always think about, like how different it would have been for us if we had like YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that, like 25 or 30 years ago, you know, like we could have done all this stuff but, you know, <laughs> born too early but it's, it's cool though because we got to experience what we got to experience I, I think it's better so yeah no i've i i like you were saying earlier about not being able to and i guess i was too about not being able to change anything like i'm i'm very happy with the era that i grew up in and and you know i mean obviously this year has been quite a bit of a challenge for everybody um right. but i feel like 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 how we're doing like creating new stuff and 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 just trying to stay busy it's like we were saying before like you adapt and you just find you know different things to kind of keep yourself occupied and 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 what i guess are really uncertain times for the most part yeah definitely um so if you've listened to a few of these episodes i think you know by now that i usually ask guests like if they have like a if they could come up with like a dream show of like four to six bands so i guess for you I don't know if you'd want to do like separate dream shows of bands you would just want to see and enjoy or, or photography is <laughs> such a big part of you now where you would just want to create a dream show of bands you'd want to see and, and shoot for the whole night. You know what I mean? I think it'd be bands I want to see. I don't need, like, I don't <laughs> need to shoot bands, I guess, to enjoy it. Like, I, I mean, that's what I enjoy, but like, as far as seeing bands, like, like if I had a dream show, um, it would probably be, uh, um, I don't know who, who would it be. Uh, probably Despair, because uh, they're my favorite Buffalo hardcore band of all time. Despair, Youth of Today, Quicksand, and uh, probably Judge, because I love Judge. We got to open for Judge twice, which is pretty cool. Black X opened for Judge in Chicago and in Buffalo, which is pretty awesome something that i never thought i would ever ever happen and happen which is pretty cool so that's that's cool there's actually a nice i have a judge story that uh like when i got into hardcore i uh i went to this record store on long island because i grew up you know down in, in new york and i walked into this independent record store it was on i think it was on border queens long island and i come go in there and the lady's like we don't sell any rap here sorry and so I walked out of there. <laughs> she said that and to I you. Wait, like, I'm sorry. I'm going to cut you off. But she said that to you without you even like asking about any I'm music or anything. I'm looking around the store. It's like, we don't have any rap here. And I was like, what the fuck? And I left. And uh, I was looking, I was looking for the, the judge CD with the seven inch and the, and the LP. And that's why, that's why you know, the judge came up. And uh, I actually wrote a song about the experience for Black X. And um, well, part of it, part of the song was about that. But I actually got to tell Mike Judge that story when we opened for them in Chicago, which is kind of cool. So and that was that was a that was a pretty cool hardcore experience that I had. That I got to tell Mike Judge the story of me kind of getting into hardcore and experiencing like racism in a record store and all this all this sort of stuff, which is pretty cool, I guess, in a way. Wow, that stuff all makes you what you are, I guess, right? I have some Judge stuff to add to that, but I would, I guess, I first would want to ask you, like, is that something? 
like, I guess you could kind of call that racial profiling too. Like, is that something that you've had to deal with a lot, like in your life or? Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, you know, people think even from like, even from people like family members and people I know, like people think like, why are you into this stuff? And you know, what do you, what do you, why, why are you listening to this stuff? And like, it's always kind of weird. Like when people look at you weird, cause like I, I used to work in a store in the mall downtown here in Buffalo and people were like, what's that white stuff you're listening to? And I'm like, I'm like, it's what I like. Like, what, what, like, what is this? Why does this matter? Like, you know, like, but I've dealt with that a lot, like from, you know, all sides, you know, white, black, whatever, like people, like, if you don't listen to what you, uh, they think you should listen to, they think you're freaking weird and it's not cool. I mean, you gotta be able to like, you know, choose your own path and stuff, but I'm sure a lot of people have had that happen to them and been like, well, this is stupid. I got, I guess I better go along with the, you know, the crowd and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's tough, but it, it comes from everywhere. Like white, black, whoever. People are always trying to tell you what you should have and what you should listen to and what you should do. So it's crazy, but it's, it's life. But yeah, no, I guess the judge thing like that, I've talked about that Buffalo show on this podcast a couple of times, but that I think for me, that was one of those bands that I wouldn't put them quite in the same category as minor threat, but like you would think like in the same vein, like there, those are bands that are not getting back together. You know what I mean? Like, and there was even an interview with Mike judge and Porcel on, um, like a black and blue radio like years ago. And it sounded pretty like, like Mike judge was kind of upset with the way Porcel had handled things over the years. And even at that point I was like, dude, they're not getting back together, you know? And then sure enough, the next year, they played that black and blue bowl and then now was the chicago and buffalo show those those are different weekends or is that the same weekend different weekends like we played we played with them in june of 2014 in chicago and i think we played with them in buffalo in like january or february of 2016 i think it was yep so it was like a year and a half after we played with them yeah i remember that show it was 2016 because me and my buddy uh jeff drove up to it and uh, a close friend of, of ours um, from the scene, you probably met him at least a couple times, uh, Patrick Doyle. Uh, yeah. passed, he passed away recently. Um, and that's actually one of my favorite memories of him. And you actually shot the video. Um, there's a video you posted on YouTube. And he was just the type of guy that would like literally, legitimately put you on his shoulders so you could sing yeah. along and if you wanted to stage dive and stuff like that. And you can see him in that video like picking me up and throwing me like on the top of the crowd so I could sing along to like a song that I never thought I'd be able to sing along to, you know? And it's it's... It's really sad that he passed away, obviously, but it's it's good that I was able to get those memories and that you know that stuff I'll never forget. One thing know. about Doyle, like he uh, one he's one of the few people who actually like he uh, came up to me at a show in Rochester and was told me about how he liked like he liked our band and he liked our T-shirts and stuff and like I don't think anyone else ever said that to us the whole time we were a band. Like I liked your shirts and stuff, which I thought was really cool. So it, it's cool that you know you know it's cool that you know that. Well, not cool that he died, but it's cool that, you know, that you had that memory of him and stuff and all that stuff, which is crazy that I videotaped that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Which is nuts. That's how kind of the universe kind of works and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember sending that video that you took and, and I had shot like a crappy, I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't hold my phone for very long because I wanted just to sing along and stage dive that night. I don't know how you, that's one thing too, I guess. Like, is it hard for you to like take, like, was there ever a point where you were just like, fuck it, man, I want to put my camera down and just sing along to this or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, is that ever, is that ever tough? I was younger, that happened a lot, but like now it's like, I don't know, it's like, I always dream to sing along with Judge, but like, it's, it's what it is. Like, you know, I'm older now and I don't have that, I guess I don't have that same fire. So it was cool being able to just take pictures and take that video and stuff like that. One of the coolest things too, when Judge, we played with Judge in Chicago, Mike Judge bought one of our t-shirts and wore it while they played, which was really awesome, which, you know not to be like a fanboy or whatever but that was really cool that he did that and stuff so. yeah yeah that's that's one thing too that's cool is like even though we're in this little subculture that's like kind of tiny and like it's like it's more well known in the mainstream now than it was you know 20 yeah. years ago or whatever but it's still cool that we have certain people that we can fanboy out about or whatever like even in our little culture you know um <laughs> i'm not going to mention who it was but somebody that i interviewed on here like somebody commented on something that he had said recently and he sent me a text immediately. He was like, holy shit, dude. Like, I can't believe it, man. I'm, and he, he used that exact word. He's like, I'm being a total fanboy right now about this or whatever, you know? And it's, <laughs> it's like, even though we're in like a small community, there's still people that like, 
you see yeah. like stigma or like you see certain people and you're like holy shit it's stigma you know what i mean yeah. or like shit like that that's pretty cool i mean it's cool because you, you're like holy shit stigma and then like two seconds later you're like chatting with stigma yeah so pretty cool so it's awesome yeah yeah i don't think there's very many other if any other scenes like that where you can like you're like one with uh the artist like there was like one rapper that i saw from philly like 15 or 20 years no, probably about 15 years ago and I didn't even realize it until he got on stage, but he was legit standing in the front row of the crowd the entire show and just watching all the other rappers perform. You don't see that very often with hip-hop or whatever, you know, but it was cool to see that because it reminded me of, like, the whole hardcore thing, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's it's cool that we've had, like, a scene that's very unique, you know? And I know you were saying earlier that we try not to be, like, too snobby about it or whatever, but I know there's been times where, you know, we realize that this shit is, it's pretty cool what we've been a part of, you know? Um, and I guess with that in mind, like you were saying that you never really put your work in that kind of perspective until Ruben told you about doing the book. But like, has there ever been a time where you're like, man, I'm really glad that I was a part of kind of, you have like a kind of a small piece of all these influential bands by having like been a, a photographer. You know what I mean? Like, is that something that's ever crossed your mind or anything like that? Yeah, it's cool that like, you know, you have like, it's because sometimes people will be talking about something like on Facebook and I'll be like, they'll post something about some show and I'll be like, oh, I have pictures from that show, which is pretty cool. But it's cool to like have that memory, those memories and kind of like go back and look and, and see all that stuff and, you know, be able to like have a picture of it or which jogs another memory, which is pretty cool. Like it's nice to have that, uh, have that documentation, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So it's, it's exciting. So yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think like you like we've kind of referenced a couple times in this discussion like photographers they were they weren't like the most you know uh I wouldn't say respected but but I feel like they've gained a lot more notoriety in the last like 10 or 15 years and people like there, there's 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 even more like cool fanzines popping up and like like I was I, I was showing telling my girlfriend the other day cuz like I said she's not really huge into hardcore but like she knows like how important like bands like Bad Brains and stuff like that are to me and somebody started like a, a new like Toronto hardcore like like uh t- I think it's called like Toronto hardcore eighty three or something like that. It's kind of like the Rochester hardcore history Instagram yeah. where it just shows like old Toronto hardcore photos, and it was pictures of Bad Brains playing in Toronto from like eighty three, and it was just so yeah it was so cool like just seeing the pictures of like HR and the band and stuff back then, but like looking at the crowd and just seeing all these different elements like but a lot of it's not any different you know what I mean like and it's just cool to look back on that kind of stuff. So I'm sure. Like when we're when we're like even older, people are gonna be looking back on your photos and being like, "Oh shit, that must have been a really fun era in Buffalo." Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's cool that you're able to do all that. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much like I said, I want to have you and Ruben on again uh, when the book comes out. Um, but I pretty much that's that's pretty much what I have left for questions. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add that we didn't touch on, or anything else you want to promote, or anything like that? No, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm good. Um. Not nobody's like really doing bands right now or anything, but I am in a new band that's called Hold Out. We've uh, we've uh, we I joined they they were a band and I joined them like late last year, but we haven't really done anything because of the pandemic. But I have that coming and stuff, and you know, I have my my podcast and stuff like that. So trying to stay active when I can, you know, it's it's hard, but you know, we try so. I'm sure we'll keep trying as long as we're, you know, able to do it. So it's awesome. Is that band gonna be another straight edge band or? No, we're we're not a straight edge band. We're we're a band of dads. <laughs> <laughs> we are a hardcore band, so it'll, it'll be cool. That's cool. The dad things, uh, obviously, I can appreciate that at this point in my life. So. Yeah. Um, I guess that is one one quick thing that we didn't touch on that is kind of cool that I've come in contact with doing all these episodes, and you were talking about it before with having kids, and so was I. Is that it's cool now that we're all like, I'm going to be 40 next year. I'm sure you're probably like in your mid forties. Um, it's cool. It's cool. Like seeing all these dudes now that we kind of grew up with that all have kids now. And now we can kind of watch the next generation, hopefully of hardcore kids, you know? So it's been cool kind of seeing all that come together. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It seems like there's a couple of people who had like kids really early, but it seems like everyone, like their kids are all like, you know, under 10 now, which is pretty cool. Like it's cool. They have our generation coming up together, so that's pretty cool. That wraps up episode 20. As always, this podcast is dedicated to the memory of Patrick Doyle. 
I'd like to thank Mark Miller for doing the interview on this episode. I'd also like to give a special thanks to Rob Antonucci and Greg Benoit for all the help with this podcast. And as always, thanks to my family for all the support. The next few episodes will feature interviews with Kevin Wilcox, Nate Derby, Jay Galvin, and Ryan Hex. As always, check out EnterpriseHardcorePodcast.com for more info, and make sure you follow us on Instagram at EnterpriseHardcorePodcast. See everyone real soon, and stay safe.